The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word this morning. I'm going to uh, share a few thoughts with you as we get into the Word and, uh, and move through it. Uh, uh, there's a, a motivation for the direction that we're going to go this morning, and, and I'll share that motivation with you uh, here in a moment. Uh, there's a few things we're going to find in the Scripture. So if you're taking notes, these are things you can write down, uh, things to look forward to, things to anticipate. One, we're going to find out uh, a, a power struggle that took place in the Scripture. A power struggle that took place. Now, that's kind of a weird, there's really nothing there that gets you excited, like, wow, I want to hear about that. But it's worth take, making note of, of what's going on, because I think we come to identify the, the history of the Scripture and the things that God's done and the life of Jesus Christ and all the things that, that he did, and, and we can miss why God did those things. And it's very important to see why God did those things so that you can examine your life for the benefits of those things being present. So we're going to find out a power struggle that took place in the Scripture and, uh, and what side of that struggle we're on today. Uh, another thing that we're going to find is where you are at as a Christian. Now, we have conversations about growth and maturity and all kinds of things like that, and we can say things very in a very Christianese way, like we're all in different places, and well... We may all be in different places of understanding or revelation that God is bringing to our life individually, but we're all in the same place from a kingdom perspective. We're going to see in the scripture where that's at, and it uh, is a wonderful thing to embrace. Another thing we're going to find is what Jesus has, what Jesus has. And I want to emphasize this because this is really at the heart of why the message this morning. Uh, so I had a conversation with a guy, and he's a guy that uh, doesn't work for me, but I work with him on occasion. And Wonderful uh, young man, very intelligent guy. I couldn't say enough good things about him. And as we were uh, moving from, from A to B, you know, transitioning between uh, uh, situations on a job, he asked a question. And what's really funny to me is he's never asked any, you know, questions concerning the Bible, concerning God, concerning Christianity. And, and this one was, was uh, a, a big one. And it kind of came out of the blue. And let that be an encouragement to you, that the people that you're around every day, they're, they're watching you, they're observing you, and they might just be waiting for that moment when they have enough courage to ask you that one question that, that they've been waiting to ask. And, and he said, you know, I, I've seen some things uh, online, and I've heard some people say some things, uh, heard someone talking about something that Jesus said about the devil ruling the world, and, and I don't know what to think about that. Now, I know what he's referring to. There's a couple of times in the scripture where Jesus refers to the devil as the ruler of this world. And I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. You know, I mean, here's a guy that doesn't normally sit and talk shop, so to speak, from a Christian perspective. We're normally talking about jobs and things like that that are much more shallow. And he's now opened up the door for this really interesting question to be answered. Why would Jesus call Satan the ruler of this world? And I told him, well, it's in the Bible. You'll find a couple of places where Jesus refers to the devil as the rule of this world, but I think something needs to be understood. And he said, well, what's that? I said, it's a time-sensitive statement. At the time in which Jesus made that statement, that was a fact. 
And so if you don't see it as a time-sensitive statement, you could confuse something that Jesus said in a specific moment for being a statement that blankets all of time. And that would be a real dangerous thing to consider if I'm correct and it's a time-sensitive statement. So I want to get into the word here and, and show you some reasons why I believe that's a time-sensitive statement and, and why it's a good perspective to have that that statement was made at a specific time for a specific reason. And today, and even in the scripture, an altogether different statement has been made, is being made, and will be made in the future. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses uh, 15 and 16. I told you before we're going to find a, a power struggle in the scripture. Now, I don't know if, if struggle is the right word. I don't think that there's much of a fight when it comes to uh, the things that we're going to be looking at. But it's part of our vocabulary. We, we understand the concept of power struggles in our relationships, whether it's marriage and family or the workplace. We can understand the dynamics where there's tensions between uh, two voices of authority or, or things along those lines. So Hebrews chapter 2, uh, 14 and 15. It reads like this. Jesus himself became flesh that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death that is the devil, and that he might free those who through the fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. That's a really wonderful passage of scripture. I mean, there's a lot of things that are, are being spoken there. One, you're opening up with the, the reason for Jesus becoming man, the reason for him emptying and laying down all divine privileges, being born of a virgin and, and raised up by uh, parents the same way that, that we are raised up by parents and raise up our children and, and living the same lives, being tempted by the same temptations and, and facing the same anxieties and fears, living the same life that we live. All of that is for this reason. It's, he became a man became flesh so that he could die and render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. I love that it's not vague, that the scripture doesn't leave out who it is that's being identified as once upon a time having the power of death. But that the scripture is revealing that something has taken place here through the, the establishment of Jesus Christ as a man, him laying down his life on our behalf. And the thing that's taken place is this transfer of who's in charge of death. Jesus became flesh so that he might lay down his life and that he might render powerless. That means to take away power of death from the one who had it, that is the devil. And in doing so would free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. That's us. This passage of scripture is revealing Jesus' role, what the devil's role once was, and where that placed us. And when we start to see this and, and break it down in those things, it reveals to us a number of things that need to be embraced. I mean, the reality that this is something that happened, a one-time thing that has still having effects today, a one-time effort, a one-time action that has made a change in all of history. Before Jesus laid down his life, it was Satan who held the power of death. And once Jesus rendered him powerless, he no longer holds it. Kind of an interesting thing to consider. So the reason for opening with that verse is just to open with the mentality of the split and the divide in time. 
that you could make a time-sensitive statement that Satan is the one who holds the power of death. Well, there's a lot of heavy metal bands that love to write songs about that, but I got news for you, that day is gone. He no longer has the power of death. Jesus came, laid down his life so that he could render Satan powerless. I mean, this is a really great revelation. I don't want to go too far off track here, but have you ever caught yourself having a weird thought about death? I mean, I have. I have, and I'm not afraid to admit that. But maybe you're driving and you're just like, you feel like, you know, life is, is so fragile and you have all these thoughts about the, and you can stop and put all that to rest with this one reality. That, that the one who would have destroyed my life no longer has the power to do so. But Jesus, the one who would give me life, is the one who rendered him who would destroy my life powerless so that I could be free from that bondage, so that I could be liberated from that slavery, so that I could be renewed in my mind and think straight, so that I could know who was in charge. It's a pretty amazing thing to consider when you consider that we could be freed from that mentality and that thought process that's identified as slavery. I'll give you another passage of scripture that bears witness to the result of, of the work of Jesus Christ. And it's from Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It talks about what Jesus did and, and why he did it. And it says that it was for freedom that Jesus Christ set us free. And then there's a call to keep standing firm and not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Now, I want to offer you my, my personal opinions about this passage of Scripture, and I'm making that very clear. These are my opinions, but if I were to take that passage of Scripture and apply it to my life today, it, it, the application would, would be something like this. I now understand that the reason why Jesus set me free was so that I could be free. Not so that for one moment I might taste freedom and then look forward to it. One day when he returns, I'll have full freedom. But rather, he set me free so that I could be free right here, right now. Free from what? Free from the thoughts of, of the fear of death and, and dying and the corruption that was the result of sin. He set me free from that mentality that would keep me subject to a thought process and an attitude that the Bible defines as slavery so that I could actually have the liberty that he himself would have. I mean, it's an interesting thing to consider the passage of Scripture and, and what all is being revealed. I, I want to give you a, a passage that, that is the result of this, this freedom, this thing that's taken place. When Jesus came and rendered powerless the one who once had the power of death, he, he introduced a, a, a whole shift in society, and, and it can be defined as, as taking of sides, so to speak, but it's not necessarily the taking of sides as it is the establishing of sides, that there is one side that is all of corruption and that there is now another side that is all of righteousness. Let me give you a, a passage of, of Scripture here that I think is worth making a note of. Uh, from the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. I want to look at verses 13 and 14. I told you before we're going to find where we are at. We'll find where we're at right here, where we're at as Christians. And it's written about the, the work that God's done on our behalf through Jesus. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness, and he transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. 
I mean, this passage of Scripture is revealing these two domains, one of darkness where the corruption and the fear and the anxiety and the death that results from sin abide, and now this new domain, this domain that is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, where we're free from the bondage of that corruption, where we have redemption, redemption in our hearts, redemption in our minds, where we have forgiveness of sins and the results of the forgiveness of sins. Now, I say this often in our messages, and I think rightfully so. The forgiveness of sins is a wonderful thing. It's not just the clearing of the conscience. It is the removal of death because it's the wages of sin that's death. That's the reason why as Christians we have in our future eternal life. Not just some uh, idea that what could be the greatest reward we could offer people to get them to join our morally straight uh, 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 fraternity and, and have a, a bigger club. Let's entice them with something. What is the most uh, wonderfully enticing thing you can think of? Ooh, I know. How about living forever? Not like that. But rather you can look at this and see that if sin results in death, it brings death, but you wipe away sin, what have you wiped away? but death. So to have my sins forgiven, to be renewed and redeemed from that life of anxiety and fear that would result ultimately in the full manifestation of corruption that would take place in death, we now have a life that is, is not subject to that slavery, not bound to that fate, but rather liberated to something altogether more productive, more fruitful. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture because there's a word in that uh, uh, Scripture that we read from Colossians that I think needs to be underlined and, and highlighted and circled and little stars drawn beside it in your Bible. I don't know if you write in your Bible, but I can tell you something. Once you start, you ain't going to stop. you look like a coloring book by the time you're done. There's nothing wrong with that. But he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. I think it's interesting that those words are used. I, I, when you take the scripture and you look at it, I think it's important to examine the original language because it's been translated to English and, and it's good to know the original language. But I, I think it, when you see that words have been used strategically and specifically, you ought to ask yourself, why? I mean, the idea that, that this darkness was identified as a domain, I mean, this is a jurisdiction, an area in which there was an authority and a, a set of rules in which all that would be in that domain would be subject to, but that we would be snatched from that and then transferred, meaning like there's a change, right? You can't transfer anything without there being a change that takes place to be transferred from that domain of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ is a really awesome thing to consider. I mean, I, I stop and I have to ask myself now, then what is a kingdom? I mean, if I've been pulled from a domain, this place in which darkness has authority, now I've been moved into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. What is this situation? Is it an upgrade? I, spoiler alert, yes, it is. The idea that, that we've been moved from darkness into the kingdom of Jesus is a really incredible thing to me. And I start to think about, you know, kingdom and what it means. And I remember as a child sitting in church services and wearing out the back pages of my parents' Bibles, looking at all the maps and all of that study and all of that searching, I never found the kingdom of God. See, a lot of Israel, 
but not much of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom, not necessarily a, a piece of square footage or a piece of dirt here on the earth, but rather that kingdom being wherever Jesus is king, right? What is a kingdom except it be the domain of a king? We've been transferred from the domain of darkness to the domain of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ now being our king, us being now a part of his kingdom, to be under his jurisdiction, under his authority, to have all the things that would govern what he would establish now govern my life. It's a tremendous upgrade. It's a transfer of authority. And to consider these things now is to have my eyes open to what it means to be a Christian more than just getting my ticket punched for eternity, more than just clearing my conscience of all the horrible things I've ever done, but rather now it's a change of who's in charge. And that bears witness with my life because the things that were destroying my life, I didn't like them. I knew they were destroying my life. The bondage of alcoholism was really destructive. I would cry and weep and pour out my booze, but then the next day back to the liquor store. But then something happened when a transfer took place. When I was transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the efforts now were empowered in new and wonderful ways. The things that I wanted to do before but couldn't do, now I wanted to do and could do. Because when I said, Satan, get behind me, he had to listen. He couldn't chuckle and say, uh, buddy, I'm in charge here. He's not in charge of anything in my life. I am bought and paid for with a price. Transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God. Now, my life is devoted to the instruction and the counsel of a king. That king being Jesus. We've spoken about this before in other services and other messages. And, and rightfully so. It's a big deal. It's going to overlap into a lot of things that we talk about. But the idea that Jesus is king is a really wonderful and powerful revelation that I personally believe must be embraced for Christianity to have its way in our lives. I can see Jesus as my Savior. Well, I, I mean, I needed saving. I needed rescuing. I was obviously in a bad spot. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he has any authority or, or any uh, uh, speak into my life. It just means that he showed up and that he saved me and I could be right back where I was before tomorrow. And, and I don't want that. But rather what he's offered and what he's extended, what God has made available is something so much more than just rescue only to be rescued again. It's the transfer. It's another word I would circle and underline. I have been transferred. I mean, what a great thing to, to rise up in the morning and open up your prayers with Father revealed to me the wonders of the transfer that has taken place in my life. I want to know in new and greater ways the depth, the riches, the glory of the transfer that's taken place in my life through Jesus. Pretty awesome. Yeah, not just rescued, just to be rescued again tomorrow, but delivered, snatched out of that which was bringing me down and then taken into a place where I might operate under a different authority. Now all of a sudden the rest of the scripture starts to make sense. Well, no wonder this guy was saying when you do these things in my name. Because his name means something to me now. More than just an identity to identify who it is that we sing our songs to. Well, we chose the right guy to sing to, didn't we? It's not just that. 
but rather it's this gift, this deputization, this release to continue his work as the body of Christ, united together by the Holy Ghost to do the things that Jesus does in his name, meaning operating under his authority. That's the wonder of that transfer. I remember when I began to practice the, the wonder of that transfer in my life. Didn't take long. I don't think I'd been born again more than two minutes before I looked in a mirror and I said, devil, you can't have my life anymore. And I don't know why I did this, but I did it. I said, alcohol, in the name of Jesus, leave me. What a wonderful thing to have that empowerment, to walk in that authority, to not just have it be, you know, a script or a learned behavior from attending the right Bible study, but to have the revelation that I'm no longer in the jurisdiction of darkness, but I have been transferred into the jurisdiction of the kingdom of God. And in the name of Jesus, I'm telling you, leave. Powerful. That's Christianity. Isn't it cool? And there's scripture that that bear witness of these things as we continue to to ask God, God, show us Jesus as our king. Open our eyes to see him exalted and and with authority, not just for for show and pomp and ceremony, but alive and active and leading in my life. You'll see it through the scripture. Uh, Passages like Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7 is going to be a great read for you, but if you get to like verse 14, you're going to find things like this. And I watched and I saw him, and he's talking about Jesus. And to Jesus was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, so that all peoples, nation, and men of every languages might serve, that they might uh, be a part of his everlasting dominion, which will never pass away, and his kingdom, which is one, shall never be destroyed. Can't say that about the domain of darkness. It's the reason why there's a lake of fire. But the domain of Jesus Christ, the kingdom, the the area in which he is king, the, the jurisdiction that he will rule and reign in will never be destroyed. Absolute, ultimate victory. I want to be in the kingdom of God no matter where I'm at. I want Jesus to be in charge. I'll give you another passage of scripture. Now, I love this time of year. I kind of hate that Thanksgiving just gets kind of glossed over, right? You go from skeletons and pumpkins at Lowe's to snowmen and Christmas trees, and I'm thinking, where's the turkey? Not for turkey's sake, even though I love a good bird, but the idea of Thanksgiving, I think it is the most wholesome, righteous holiday that we celebrate as Americans. And the idea that it would now become, you know, a series of football games and Black Friday uh, is really an embarrassment. But to think about things like gratitude, to think about things like deliverance, provision, to celebrate prosperity. You know, that's the cornucopia, to have so much is spilling out all over the table. Look at what the Lord has done. It's a great holiday. Well, I mean, so Thanksgiving obviously is a wonderful thing, but we do start to move into the the time in which we celebrate the Christmas season. I've heard all of the, you know, well, you know Jesus wasn't born. I mean, I get it. I understand. I just love the idea that we can all stop and acknowledge that he was born at all. 
Because the idea that God would make good on his word and send the deliverer, send the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior, the one to come and be my king, really floats my boat. And then you get passages like this that we seem to tuck away, you know, and, and we only talk about them once a year. I think that's a real scheme of the devil, absolutely. I believe it. I think you could bring this out every Sunday, and it would be just as powerful as it was the week before. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Unto us a child is born, and a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and there'll be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Let me just tell you what that means, because we, we speak a little bit different today. It means everywhere he's in charge, the result is going to be peace. When you see his government increase within marriage, peace will increase within marriage. When you see his government in, uh, increase within raising children, peace will increase in your raising of children. When you see his government increase in the workplace, peace will increase in the workplace. When you see his government increase in the church, peace will increase in the church. When we stop trying to be in charge and let him be in charge. And when you consider the, the rest of the scripture, it, it seems to be uh, uh, like God knew what he was doing, like this has been the intent the whole time. Imagine that. Jesus would acknowledge it. Every time he preached, the Bible said that he would open his message with repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like, this is the reason why you need to change because there's a transfer taking place. To be relieved and delivered from the domain of darkness. Hear these words of truth and be transferred from that domain of darkness into this domain in which righteousness rules Righteousness reigns in which you are anointed with power and that you are granted authority to function and to operate in the expansion of the kingdom of God. And, and that might sound a little odd and poetic, but I see it in the scripture that there's more than, than just this idea that we've been included because God loves us, but it's, it's, it's something really spectacular. As if being chosen and, and being loved weren't enough to see the things that come with that, to see the result of that love is played out and manifest in your citizenship. Will you say that word, citizenship? Your citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Put that in your prayer list. You know, God, show me what it means to be a citizen in the kingdom of God. Let me give you a passage of scripture that you can lean on. As you consider those things, Ephesians 2.19, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints in the house of God. I want to know what that means. I want to know every aspect of what it means to be a citizen in God's house. I mean, there are some things that you can turn to in the dictionary. It doesn't all have to be just wall-to-wall -wall scripture here, just understanding what the word means. I mean, by definition, the idea of being a citizen is going to be one who's entitled to the protections and the rights provided by a jurisdiction or a governing authority. That right there should really light your fires to consider that now you're not just, you know, well, I kind of like you, so I don't want to throw you in the fire. Come on, we'll, we'll clean you up a little bit. But rather, it's you have been equipped with all of the authority of Jesus Christ, the full measure of holiness and righteousness. 
And empowered by the Holy Ghost, the very Spirit of God himself, who spoke into the darkness, let there be light. And there was. You're a citizen. You share in that authority. You share in that protection. You share in that jurisdiction that is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful thing to consider. I want to give a couple of scriptures here as we close. One I want to give from Revelation chapter 15, uh, verse 11. It's another one of those that tends to come out this time of year. You'll recognize the words and you'll probably put it to melody in your head because we'll probably sing it. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. Get ready to hear that a lot, but ask God, will you dust the tradition off of these words? That I wouldn't just hear a great piece of music, but that I would see the fulfillment of your promise to me and my family. That Jesus will reign forever and ever. That the kingdom of this world, which was once governed by what Jesus called the ruler of this world, is no longer governed by that ruler. But that the kingdom of this world has now become the kingdom of God with Jesus sitting on the throne. And he'll rule and reign forever and ever. I told you we're going to find out what Jesus has. I want to close with that. You'll find it in Matthew chapter 28. Now, Matthew chapter 28 is closing out the gospel of Matthew here. So post-crucifixion, post-resurrection, Jesus having the opportunity to reveal wonders and truths to his disciples. And these are his opening words to his disciples. And I think they're really amazing and intentional and we ought to pay very close attention to. Have you ever known that you needed to have a conversation with someone and so maybe when you're in route or you're driving there or you're getting ready to dial the number, you kind of rehearse it in your head a little bit, right? I mean, that conversation's got nothing on this. I think Jesus longed to speak these words from the moment he could talk. And standing before his disciples, having conquered the grave, he looked at them and he spoke these words, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. That's a transfer right there. It no longer belongs to the devil. The earth is not his footstool, it's mine. That's what I'm talking about. That's being a Christian right there. To come to the revelation and the realization that all authority in heaven and in earth belongs to Jesus. I mean, I think about the things that he could have said that every single one of us would be okay with. I mean, he could have stood before him and said, your sins are forgiven. Man, we'd love that, right? Your heavenly father loves you. We would love that. And all those things would be wonderful and good and right to say. But in this moment, when he speaks to his disciples, having conquered death, he looks at them and he says, all authority in heaven and earth belongs to me now. So I believe it's a time-sensitive statement to speak of the devil as the ruler of this world. Once upon a time, maybe, but not today. Today, the kingdom of this world has been made to be the kingdom of of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever.
All authority in heaven and in earth belongs to Jesus. And when he's invited me to be a citizen within that kingdom, he's invited me not only to receive the benefits of that authority, but to partake in it, to live out that authority in and through my life, to accomplish his will, to take the things that are pleasing to him and not only receive those things into my life, but bring those things into existence through my life. It's being a Christian. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray for us. And I thought about maybe asking for Dave's deep bass tracks to come. But I think I'll just pray us out. I want to pray and I want to ask God to do something for, for us collectively. And, you know, we do speak about Jesus as king often and we're going to continue to. It's, it's a priority message. But I think every time we do it, we ought to shed the mentality of, well, I've, I've, I've heard most of this before and we ought to adopt the mentality of, God, I want to know more about this. I want to have my heart and my mind established upon the truth that Jesus Christ is enthroned in absolute authority over the earth, over the heavens, and over my life. And I want the results of that to be evident through my existence. That's what I want to pray. Uh, so you can be in an attitude of agreement or simply receiving, but I'd like to pray for us this morning, just knowing that there's no greater minister in the room than the Holy Spirit himself to see God do this work on our behalf. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love and your affection for us, that you wouldn't leave us and abandon us to be without a shepherd, but that you would send your son to be our king. Let our hearts and our minds bow down to that truth. Let them be reformed and forged upon that, that wonderful truth that Jesus Christ has been given all authority in the earth and the heavens. And let the awareness of the transfer that you've made available to us from that domain of darkness into his kingdom become clear to us. That as we would look upon our lives, we would see your work and that the result would be celebration, joy, praise, and worship. And let the counsel of Jesus ring out in our ears. Let the Holy Ghost bear witness in our hearts along with the scripture as he would lead us and guide us in the way that we should go. And let the results bring you honor and glory as your kingdom continues to be established through the saints. We bless your name and we rejoice in our King Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you thanks. And all the saints declare it. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.